Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor. We talk about movies on this show. However, this is a special episode, because this is something we just started recently. Uh, every three months, give or take, we're going to do a countdown, a list, a best of, if you will. Uh, we actually did one just a month ago for the end of the year, uh, but from here on out it'll be one every three or four months. The, the idea is like a sort of quarterly type thing. Uh, we did the best movies of the 2000s, as in the, the decade of the, the noughties, if you want to call it that, which I don't. Uh, we did that last month. This is going to be our top 50 science fiction films. So, big, because we were both big fans of sci-fi, so this is a big... Yeah, this is, this is a much harder category, and I should say this now, this list is, okay, this is finalised, this is what we're saying, this is what it is. <laughs> If you ask me again tomorrow, it'll probably have changed slightly. I have been tinkering with it all day. I've I've spent the last three hours sat here just going, yeah, I can move by one. Or oh, no, what about this? To, to, I can't remember who said this about movies, but I'm going to say, to use this quote here: uh, "A movie is never finished; you just run out of time." That, yeah. is, that is what this list is. <laughs> it's never finished. <laughs> I've just run out of time, uh, yeah. and it's time to record. So here we are: uh, top fifty sci-fi movies. Uh, we're, I I actually could have knocked out a top 100. I, I've got like 50 plus uh, just sort of sitting over. Honestly, if you'd asked me like a few days ago before I started doing this list, I'd have gone, do you know what? I don't know if I could. And then I started compiling the list. I'm like, yeah, I could have done 100 probably. Probably. Although when you first did your shortlist, you were just over 100. So arguably... See, that was just off the things that I had there. Then I added like another 40 things on it. Oh, yeah, okay. That I saw in, in okay. various other places. You're lucky you didn't tell me this in advance because I said this to 100. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no. I wasn't saying that. We're, we're, we're keeping these at 50. Oh, 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 next time we do this in a couple of years, it'll well, be a we'll, top 100. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Because we, when we get to just best films of all time, that'll be 100. That's not going to be a 50. No, okay. That one's a special occasion. That one can be a, a 100. Uh, but no. I, I, think, I think sci-fi is one that could be 100 uh, down the line. Just kind of like how me and Tim did 100 horror. Yeah. I feel like it's, yeah. it's, it's prime for it. but and, and of course, as you do that, at the, I assume you did that throughout October, which is, of yeah. course, the, the month of horror. We have made this the month of sci-fi. Yeah, which is not as widely recognised, of course, but we, we, we made it our own thing. We made January sci-fi month. The, the argument being that there was less TV on, so we could like focus on watching a lot of sci-fi movies, more than particularly usual. Uh, so that, that was what we did. Um I, I will make a slight spoiler here. I saw no one knows everything I watched this month, so it's not really that much of a spoiler. But I will say that nothing I watched this month for the first time made my list. Oh, I've got a couple. Uh, to maybe I can see two for sure. Maybe there's a third buried in here somewhere. I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head, but there's definitely at least two I watched this month for the first time. They're gonna a third is at number fifty-one, which is unfortunate. Mm. Uh, I will say there was there is at least one on my list that I watched for the first time for in flux uh, since starting this show. Yeah, but, I've got I've got a few of those. because right, you, you you hadn't seen it as much, so you you, you had no, a lot no, of first time watches. Got, I've got two that neither of us had seen for sure that are on my list. You're thinking you've forgotten something now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm curious well, now. We'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. I'm pretty sure the other one probably matches mine, but I don't know what the other one is. Uh, so, hey, but we'll find out. So we're going to do this. The way this works is we're going to go alternate. Corin will give his number 50. I'll give my number 50. This will be two parts. Uh, they'll be sort of about half a week apart of each other. So this kind of t- 
well, normally it takes the place of the movie for the week, but we actually snuck in a little quick movie before we did this. So you're getting a movie as well. But the way this works is that it kind of fills one week slot, But you, so you get both parts in the same week. So you'll get this now, and in about three or four days you'll get the next part. Uh, so you get the, uh, now this is going to be numbers 50 through 26, and then part two will, of course, be number 25 through number one. So, without further ado, Connor, what is your number... Actually, no, you wanted to do an honourable mention, didn't you? Uh, I did. Which, I, I which, just, strange. Did, just, just to make this clear, uh, those are mostly outlawed, mainly because I feel like it spoils things that aren't going to appear on the actual list. However, you did say this was a short film, which is kind of a weird, murky ground where it would never really appear anyway, so have yeah, at it. Yeah, it's only half an hour long. This is oh, legit. I was going to guess. I was right. Oh, yeah. Again, it's it's so strange to compare it against all these other movies. Then I'm like, I, I want it on here. I want to recognise that I think it's fantastic. But... It's it's an odd place. Have you seen this? I have. I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah. I would never have put it on this list because it's a short film. Exactly. That was my problem. But it's like it deserves to be just mentioned in in the conversation. I think it's fantastic. It's told through entirely, st- almost entirely still frames. Yes. There's like one shot that's actually video or film. Yeah. The rest of yeah. it's all still frames, and it's told almost like a a documentary with narration over the the still it's, frames. It's, it's really surreal and strange. But after like two or three minutes, you get so into it. Yeah, uh, I like it as well. It's a, it's a French movie from the 60s. Uh, it's really good, so I highly recommend that. All right, so without further ado then, uh, kick us off proper. What is your number 50? Uh, interestingly, we're starting with something I watched for the first time this month. It might even be the very first movie I watched this month. Oh, no, second movie I watched this oh. month, so it's close. Uh, this is Attack the Block, hmm. which... I had a blast with you got John Boyega fighting some aliens. It's a lot of fun. It's funny watching that now because like at the time you didn't realise this was going to be the new Star Wars guy and the new Doctor Who. Like yes. <laughs> you know, in a movie together with Nick Frost. I mean I knew who Nick Frost was. He was the star at the time. At the time Nick Frost was the star <laughs> of the film. Yeah, yeah. Now he's like okay, he's lower down on the billing. Yeah. now he's like oh he's he's just he's just lucky to be in a movie with these stars uh, that yeah. you know that are going to be made. But uh no, I, I enjoy I I enjoy Attack the Block. Yeah. It's uh, a blast. It's uh, it's not like oh this is an amazing movie, but it's so much fun. Well, it's, it's, it's good fun. Um, it has has some good arcs over the course of the movie, and it has some uh, different than usual characters, I think, uh, for the type of film it is. Yeah, and a really nice design on the aliens, I thought. Yeah, they look unique. That, that, that sort of deep black with the blue... Yeah. The blue it's, eyes it's, or whatever it was. It's something I've not seen before. Mm. So, credit there. No, uh, no that's, that's, that's a fine, fine pick. Uh, my number 50... You went for something fun. I went for the complete and total opposite. My number 50 is The Road, uh, which is based in a book. It stars Viggo Mortensen, uh, and it's him and his little son, uh, who's like, I don't know, eight, nine, whatever he is. And take, yeah. It's a post-apocalyptic film where they're travelling looking for anything. They need to survive, so they're looking for food, supplies, that kind of thing. And it's called The Road because they're just travelling the entire time. But it is depressing and as dark as shit. Like, seriously. Uh, there's a scene in this, in a bathroom, that just about... I, I said this in the Top 2000s video, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But there's a scene in a bathroom that just about breaks you. It is a soul-destroying film. Fantastic music. Uh, you really feel like you're in the world as you're watching it. Uh, so that's my that's my number 50. It's, it's funny, you mentioned it in the Top 2000s list, and mm-hmm. I made sure to get to that this month, and I also thought it was fantastic. It's a, it's a great movie. Uh, and again, 
complete opposite of Attack the Block. Complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what's your 49? Uh, something new. This is from last year. Uh, another. You'll, you'll notice this this clump here that I've got. These are the. Okay, here's a blast of fun to get me going. I got Power Rangers. Okay. All right. Uh, again, close contention at this bottom section here, where I'm like, no, no, I had a lot of fun with that. I thought it was better than I expected by far. I think anyone who liked it would say it's better than they expected. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. And to I, be I fair, was... I, I think as Mail Fuzz TV is a group or I think oddly all positive on it because it wasn't like unanimously liked you know throughout the interwebs but me you and Matt all really liked it we have other friends who also quite like it yeah I'm not saying it's perfect but for what it is my god it's great at, at that stuff hmm yeah, interesting okay uh well, it's funny you bring that up, because I have not got Power Rangers on my list, but uh, my next pick is definitely fitting into the... I grew up with this. This fits into my nostalgia, sweet spot uh, kind of thing. And there's, there's a few of these throughout here, because I think science fiction is one that I've... Is, it's been with me since I was a kid. Some movies that I should have been watching at that age, some movies that I shouldn't have been watching at that age. Oh, yeah. But this is this is one that I you, you should be watching at an early age, and that is Flight of the Navigator. If you're unfamiliar with this, a kid is abducted by, by aliens, by a spaceship, and comes back. He thinks he's just been gone for a night. He, he has no memory of the time that's passed, but he's actually been gone for... I mean, it's been a since I've watched it, but it was like eight years, something like that. Like, he, his brother's like now, like, you know, late teens, you know, that kind of age. Yeah. He, there's different people living in his house, so he ends up being at a, like a, an experiment lab where they're, they're doing tests on him to try and figure out, you know, what's happened to him. They're all shady government folk. And then the spaceship which is sentient and has an AI that talks to him called Max, uh, basically flies him home. It is a feel-good science... Obviously, it's not as well-remembered as your your similar things from the, from the era, but I love Flight of the Navigator. I, I loved the shit out of this growing up, and I still love the shit out of it. So, uh, it's uh, feel-good. I'm familiar with it, but I've never actually watched it. It's got it, a cool, it, was, it was not on my radar when I was younger. It's a cool ship. The friendship that he has with the, the, the AI is really cool. And then, you know, it's just very heartwarming. It's just, it's, no, it's, uh, you, I mean, you can tell it only exists because stuff, something like E.T. was successful and yeah. uh, other stuff like that. But uh, I like Flight of the Navigator a lot. So, no, there you go. What's your, what's your 49, uh, 48? 48, yeah. I was going to say, you threw me for a second there. No, keeping on theme, uh, this is actually Kong Skull Island. Big, big, dumb monster fun. I've definitely seen more sci-fi films than you. No, no, not necessarily. <laughs> I just, I, just... I, I, I have a soft spot for the monster fun. Okay. But they come okay. in at the. There's a reason they're at the bottom of the list here. They're not. They're not okay. They're not top tier movies. But they're no, no. These are the movies that I, I do like a lot, and I want them represented. I'm, I'm just saying, like the movies you've said so far, I like a lot, but they're all lower for me. They're all. You know, if I was done a top 100, like I was, I was trying to get you to do, then they'd probably be on there somewhere. But, uh, but hey, uh, so my number 48. Interestingly, this is a movie that I could have. It felt like I could have grew up with this as a kid, but it was actually just made a couple of years ago, and that is Turbo Kid, which is basically Mad Max on BMX. Uh, <laughs> you got Michael Ironside as the villain. You've got ridiculous over-the-top gore. You have a kid who essentially finds the Nintendo Power Glove that gives him like a super power suit, uh, and you've got an android who he falls in love with. It is heartwarming. It is cheery. It is ridiculously over-the-top with his violence at times. 
and it is just oh no, it's, it's everything I want in a late I don't even want to call it late heart necessarily but it's it's definitely got that because I mean it's set in the post-apocalyptic future of 1997 even though it was made like two years ago so uh, I highly recommend Turbo Kid if, if everything I just said there sounds cool to you uh, I think you'll you'll dig the hell out of that movie it's fine Connor has bad taste what's your number 47 47 keeping with the big dumb movies Pacific Rim another one I watched for the first time this month okay uh, again these are at the bottom there's a reason but I have a soft spot for, for big things punching other big things, apparently. What should we say? And and I'm not going to lie, that bloody theme has been stuck in my head all month. It's catchy as shit, and I I'm at a point now where I hate it, but it's still in my head. All right, my number 47 is Pitch Black, which is the first Riddick film. Uh, this was kind of a sleeper hit at the time. It kind of came out of nowhere. And it was kind of like a, a play on like the old aliens concept where you've got this planet with a gimmick where the, the aliens can only come out when it's dark. But the planet has three suns, so, you know, no big deal. What's the, what's the problem? Except, of course, we're all building up to a, a, the eclipse that happens once every, you know, several decades or whatever it is. There's a total eclipse. But our main character, Riddick, well, he's not our main character, but one of our main characters, Riddick, is a criminal uh, who they can't trust, but he can see in the dark. So he is very useful. So you have this, you know, trusting someone who you can't quite trust because he's a murderer, but you also have these aliens with a gimmick, and you have, like, the, the, the fight for survival is trying to light up the surroundings. It's, it's what I love in, like, a, a, a nice, simple premise. It I know it doesn't sound that simple when I'm explaining it all, but it actually is. When it gets down to it, it's, we need to keep the light on to stay alive. Yeah. It comes down to that, and that's really fun. I, I like it when you can boil it down to that, that simple survival idea. So, uh, Pitch Black, and there's a good character arcs, and I do think this is still the best of the, the bunch, although the third one, Riddick, was pretty good too. So, so, uh, so spoilers for the rest of your list that they're not showing up. Yeah, but there's plenty that could be showing up. <laughs> uh, trust me, the, no, the, no. plenty to go. That's fair. 46 then. Okay, so I have Source Code. I think this is a di- different sort of time travel movie in that it's it's on a loop, you go back and it's like, okay, can we change this thing? You know, okay, what, what, what's the the objective here? It's it's a bit of a mystery for a while, and it's like, okay, no, we know there's this thing that happened, and this is going to happen. This is this is roughly what's going. It's your job to figure it out. Yeah, it's basically there was like a what appeared to be a terrorist attack on a train, yeah. and they can sort of beam this guy back into the last like 12 minutes of this guy's you know one of the passengers lives they can beam him into the last 12 minutes and they can keep living through it to see kind of all the things that might have happened and try, it, try, yeah try and establish things a little bit further each time and go okay what actually happened it's 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 uncovering the mystery yeah and eventually the fact that he, he dies at the end of every loop becomes really funny because you start getting really funny deaths yeah. uh no I, I like that a lot it's a very good duncan jones film uh jake jones good in it uh What's Monaghan? Oh, I say is the female lead. Maybe I'm not gonna remember her name. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, it, it was a it was a proper surprise movie for me though, because I kind of mm. just picked this up on a whim on Blu-ray one day. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then it was a lot better than the description made it sound on the back of the case. Yeah. And uh, Vera Farmiga's in it as well. Uh, I think that's the first thing I saw her in. But I like her a lot. I've I've come to see her in all the stuff as well since then. Yeah. Uh, most people probably know her from Bates Motel now. Uh, but uh, I like her too. Uh, no, that's a solid pick. My, my number 46 is Star Trek First Contact. Uh, 
uh, which, uh, aka the only good uh, Next Generation movie, uh, which involves a bit of time travel, it involves the Borg, it involves a lot of action. I know some hardcore Star Trek fans don't love this because it turns it into too much of an action movie, uh, but as someone who's not watched Next Gen yet, this movie worked the best for me out of the four, easily. Uh, it was fun, it has a great score, I love the, the, the main theme, it's, do you know what, I really miss uh, opening title sequences where you just get to hear the, the main sort of suite of the music as the titles come at you. Yeah. Uh, that, that was one of the first things that struck out when I watched this for the first time, maybe, well it's probably about 10 years now actually now that I think about it, but you know, it feels recent enough. Uh, and... Yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's fun. It's got heart. Uh, the characters all got stuff to do, and the Borg are a really cool villain. Uh, I'm really looking forward because we're working our way through Star Trek, of course. Uh, every week we're on the original series right now. I'm looking forward to getting to the Borg and Next Gen and getting some of those classic episodes. Uh, and what I will say about the Star Trek movies, though, is I feel like when we get to those and we watch them all again, I feel like where they would appear on my list will probably shuffle around and maybe jump up. No, that makes sense. Uh, uh, I, I'm unfortunate that. I've never seen any of these original movies and I kind of wanted to watch them this month just because, uh, you know, we were doing sci-fi month, but as we're working through, I thought, no, I might as well hold off and it, it just watch makes, them in place. Yeah, it makes more sense to watch them, you know, watch the six original movies between the two series and then so on. So, it does. but yeah, so, so they'll probably shuffle around a lot when I see them again, because I've, I've seen most of these only once, but uh, in our first contact yeah, hits my 46 from that viewing okay. so no it's a it's, it's a nice lead-in because my 45 is is actually a star trek movie oh it's a star trek beyond hmm it's uh i think the the best of the three new movies which are the only three movies of, of the franchise i've seen but i thought it was excellent it was uh the best blockbuster that year probably which, I mean, Midley isn't saying that much. No, 2016 was a really bad year for blockbusters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really there's, rough. There's, but it was, it was really fun. It captured the, the, the heart of Star Trek more than any of the other two movies did, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I got me some Bones and Spock, which is my favourite pairing. So. Yep, yeah, no, I, I agree with all those points. Uh, it was... He... It had a lot of heart as well. It was paying homage to uh, not just Leonard Nimoy, but even uh, Anton Yelkin, who, who passed yes, away as well. Of course. Uh, uh, he was in the movie, but he passed away before it came out. Uh, so you know, it was pay- it was paying homage to various people, uh, and it felt like it, I, I wasn't expect expecting it to actually go into like Leonard Nimoy's as much. I mean, obviously they treat it as Spock, you know, uh, passed yeah, away. But they kind of made it a big deal, didn't they? Yeah, they, 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 they kind of it was a kind of a fitting uh, tribute to him. It's a, it's a real shame that this, uh, just as these movies were starting to feel more like Star Trek and get proper good, that they kind of didn't do as well, and now we're, we're you know, yeah. probably going to be getting another reboot of some kind for the movies. But Probably. It's because I did like the first one. I thought it was still a good movie. Maybe it's not a great Star Trek movie, but I think, mm. it's, I think it's a pretty good, fun movie. Uh, the second one, I think, is uh, mediocre. It's, it's all right. I feel like I'm going to hate the second one a lot more when I see it again. Yeah, I get that. I didn't hate it the first time. I, didn't, I mean, I, I think it's the weakest of the three, even on my first viewing, but I feel like I'm not going to properly hate it like a lot of people do until I see it again. I, yeah, that's the thing. I've, I haven't seen it again you know, since we've been watching through a lot of Star Trek. And I think I didn't hate it, but it's it's just like, it, it's okay. It, it's got it's a right. lot of stupid plot elements and script, scripting issues. It's just and, got problems, hasn't it? 
Uh, that and the Amazing Spider-Man two were basically the same goddamn film in a lot of ways, which is really annoying. But anyway, uh, my number forty-five is actually another one that I've grown up with, although arguably one that I shouldn't have been watching at a young age, but I did anyway. And that is The Running Man. Uh, the the plot of this, uh, it's in the future, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is basically he's he's in like a sort of work camp and. He escapes with his buddies, but then they get c- captured. And in this world, uh, criminals go on go onto a TV show, a game show, a reality show called The Running Man, where they basically have to go through a series of like, imagine like um, you know, various like uh, game shows from that era, eighties and nineties, where they had like zones and worlds where they'd be themed, but they'd have like a villain, like a gladiator esque sort of bad guy for each zone, and they'd have to fight them. One was like you know. Like a, I think it was called Sub Zero, but it was like an ice hockey theme play, like character who tried to kill you with his hockey sticks and you know stuff As like that. Yeah, uh, but good fun. It was like it's a really d- good, good dumb action movie, but it's also just got really fun visuals, really nice ideas. Uh, you know, everyone remembers a uh, Sub Zero now playing Zero after he kills him. Like you know, moments like that. It's just it's a classic Arnie movie, uh, and I, I cherish it dearly. Uh, based on a book by Stephen King, no less. Oh really? Yeah. I actually didn't know about that one. Yeah, there you go. He's got he's got too many to keep track of. Not gonna lie. He turns them out. He does. He's he's got his average must be you know three or four per year at least. Hmm. So what's that number forty four? Uh, okay, so I have under the skin, which I feel like Peter's gonna think like that might be too low. I feel like he's gonna have it higher up. Just not- a, just a hunch. I'm not revealing a damn thing. Yeah, no, just a hunch. This is a, an excellent mood piece of a movie. This is, you know, Scarlett Johansson as this alien stalking the streets, and it's kind of terrifying. The fact that you're not saying anything tells me you've got it later. And just I, 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 just, I just thought you'd, you'd have more to say, but if oh, you want... I wanted to see, I wanted to see, you know, if you, if you're oh, it is. No, it's, 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 it's as you say. It's a very it's a mood piece. It's a very Kubrick esque kind of yeah. movie. I mean, the, the opening is very sort of surreal, and you're not really sure what's going on. Uh, I have fond memories of sitting in a theater and like everyone around me just being like bewildered by what they were seeing, and I was just sitting, oh, going, "This is art house as shit." Everyone else but me is going to hate this. I wish I'd seen this in the cinema. Uh, I, I didn't catch it in the cinema at the time. I got it you know, not long after it got the home release. I think. Yeah. And uh, I watched it with a, a group of friends who I was living with at the time. And there was five of us. Three of them hated it. One, mm-hmm. of, one of them walked out, <laughs> unsurprisingly. And then two of us kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling this. Yeah, uh, it's that type of movie. It is, a, it is an art house movie, absolutely through and through. Uh, that is very worth mentioning. Uh, my number 44. Uh, speaking of art house, actually, I have an, another Earth, which... Is a Brit Marley movie. You may have seen her in the OA, which she also writes. I think she co-wrote this as well, and she's in this. And the plot of this is that another Earth, uh, as the title would imply, appears in the in the sky, or not? Maybe not the sky is not the right word, but you know, it's it's out close. You can see it in the sky. Yes. And you know, it just appears there one day. So you know, at first it's a dot, but then it starts getting bigger, and you can kind of see it. You know, because a lot of the trailers use the shots where you can just clearly see it, like huge in the sky, and it's like you can see this other Earth, and Basically, Britt Mullen's character is involved in an accident uh, where she she accidentally kills someone's wife because she's drunk driving. 
and throughout the film she kind of the guy doesn't know it's her and she tries to get close to him to find out because she's trying to deal with her guilt uh, but it plays it's, it's a very again low-key art house sci-fi movie that plays with ideas it's very much a, a character drama first and foremost before it is any of the, the, the wacky sci-fi stuff but that really comes into it uh, and the idea of you know what's that other earth like because a big part of it is that there's a competition for the first flight to this other earth the, the, the two earths are going to exchange you know yeah. like a, you know a ship with passengers so they can visit the other earth and she's going to enter a competition to be on that, so she can have a, like a second chance, like a new life on this mm. on this second Earth. Uh, but if you like the OA and you like that tone and like mood and that kind of art housey stuff, I'd highly recommend it. If you hated the OA, I'd stay far away from this as possible. It's definitely the similar vibes. I, I remember you telling me about this when we mm. were watching the OA because I don't think I'd heard of it before that. And yeah, you know, I remember you telling me I'm like, yeah, I should check this out because mm. I, I I like the OA and. Still haven't. Oh, yeah, I keep forgetting about it, but I do. Go. It's it's just it just doesn't stay on my radar for whatever reason. Hmm. Uh, number forty three. I have District Nine. This is uh, again. This is one I think that showed up in our two thousands list. If you followed that. Mm-hmm. And this is aliens on Earth, but it's very much about you know racial tensions, migration, all those sorts of things that are very classic sci fi themes. But uh, done in a different way than usual, I think. Yeah, there, there's been, you know, refugee camp, essentially. I mean, it's basically a concentration sh- camp. Sh- shanty town. At, at one yeah. point, someone says it calls it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got like a full documentary style at parts, but it kind of switches between that and like a regular movie. It's got an interesting main character who has a really strong character arc, and uh, yes. it treats you know some of the aliens like you know real like you know forgive the word human characters, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got some really cool action as well and good music. It does, and very interesting designs for the aliens. The prawns, as they call them. The, yes, as they do. Yeah, it's uh, being more respectful. They're fictional. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number forty-three. Uh, we're getting relatively recent here. Uh, my number forty-three is Ex Machina which is a very bottle movie, sci-fi movie, dealing with uh, AI and technology and, you know, robots and all that jazz. Mm. you got a strong cast, you got three characters in an isolated building in the middle of nowhere, basically exploring the Turing test and can someone pass for human and what does it mean to be human and actually have self-awareness and those kind of ideas. Uh, very pretty, uh, very moody, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. I've got a feeling Connor's going to mention this one later, so I'll just... Uh, yeah, I'll tell you that now. I, I mean, the thing is, we covered this earlier in the year on, mm-hmm. on Influx, so people who've been following along, they know our thoughts on that. They know how we mm-hmm. feel, so they, they know what to expect. So we'll, we'll leave that there for now. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's funny, actually? Everyone that you've brought up that I know is not going to show up in my list, I actually still quite like. There's nothing you've mentioned yet they're, they're coming. That, that I don't like. I'm sure there will be. Uh, I'm just looking at my next one and I'm going, oh, Connor's going to hate that. There's, there's one I know for a fact you don't like, and there's one that I know you haven't seen, but if you did, you would hate. I can't wait to tell you about that one. Oh, goody. Yes, but no, 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 this is one that I think that you, you will more likely approve of at 42. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Plotwork Orange. Hmm. This is, you know, classic Kubrick. This uh, dystopian future, and it's very horrifying. It's a hard uh, watch. There's, there's a lot of disturbing stuff in that movie. 
There is. It's it's uncomfortable. Is is one way of saying it, I suppose. We should maybe be putting it lightly. Hmm. It's 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 brutal. It's psychological, but it doesn't. It often it restrains what it's actually showing you. It but just feels very visceral. Yeah, it's, it's visceral. You see enough and you hear enough that yeah. your your mind does all that fills in a lot of the blanks and it makes it a really disturbing watch. Uh, no, I can't, I can't fall clockwork orange with a pick. Uh, my number 42. One we've done on Influx that Cora wasn't that keen on, and that is The Fifth Element. Yeah, I, d- I didn't hate it. <laughs> uh, no, I like The Fifth Element a lot. This is, this is one, again, from my childhood. I was a kid, I saw this in the theatre uh, when I was very young, and... This succeeds, like, you know, like, I, I recently watched Valerian, which you know, from Luke Besson, who's the same director, and I hated that movie, basically, and it just, like, for me, it's just, there's so many things that, like, yeah, you, you can kind of tell it's from the same person, it's got that bright, colourful sci-fi thing to it, but because of the time period, this has a lot of practical effects, so it doesn't look as, you know, phony as, the, as Valerian did, uh, it has good cast, but they have chemistry and can carry a movie. I have a question. Mm-hmm. The way you're talking about these two movies kind of sounds like the George Lucas effect. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Valerian's necessarily as bad as, as some of the Star Wars prequels. I've not seen it. No, it's definitely but not. The, but... <laughs> but the way you're talking about it, it's like, it, it, I can see yeah, what it yeah. is, but it's okay, no, this is just special effects for the sake of it. And uh, so Also, he's, he's forgotten to cast the movie properly. Yeah. Yeah, which is also kind of true. I mean, there's some good actors in the prequels, but it's not as it's well not cast, board, it's definitely not. I as mean, well Hayden Christensen is the is the is atrocious, yeah, yeah, is, is the soft thumb that's just sticking out at you the entire time. Yeah, uh, yeah, guess yeah, yeah, comparison. Uh, but I love it. You got you know, you got flying cars in the city. You got this ridiculous, over the top plot uh, with this sentimental uh, like core that's kind of cheesy but kind of works. Uh, you got Gary Oldman, you know, being the villain. You got Bruce Willis being diehard in space. Is that you know? Is if his character in Die Hard's called Die Hard, you know? <laughs> but John McLean, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like no, it's just great. I love it. It's, it. Everything's bright and colorful. It pops. It is. It is a very unique blend of sci-fi that I feel like the big budget stuff doesn't normally hit, and that's probably because it comes from uh, Luc Besson, who's like you know, is is European or and as French as they come. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but it gives it an interesting art style, which I really like. Yeah. So uh, this it, again. I didn't love this movie. I didn't hate it though, mm. and it's it's obviously it's not showing up on my list. But I don't begrudge anyone having this on theirs. At forty one, I have Godzilla twenty fourteen. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is one that I'm actually kind of scared to rewatch because I saw this in in the cinemas, and it had a hell of an impact in the cinema. We, we'll we'll but, get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried it won't hold up once I rewatch it. Because uh, a lot of that was the the, the feel of the, the atmosphere, you know, hearing those sounds on a big cinema system. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the scene where they're they're dropping into San Francisco after the monsters have taken it over is absolutely fantastic. It is, it is. and I, I still remember that in the in the trailer where you had yeah. the the, uh, the monolith music from two thousand and one playing over that. Yeah, but just still in the score as well. You hear that as uh, you, you foresee Godzilla in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's different places in the trailer, but yeah, it's oh man, it, it it was an experience, and I hope it holds up next time I watch it. I've seen it a few times actually, and I actually think it does mostly hold up if you liked it the first time. Some people hate this movie. This is probably quite a divisive pick to put in here because it might well be here yeah. because some people really don't like it. 
but I actually quite liked uh, 2014 Godzilla. Uh, it's just funny because I, you know, I stick up for that a lot. And then Edwards went on to make Rogue One, which I am the I am I'm the first in the the pitchfork <laughs> line by that one. But, yeah, yeah, you are. But no, I, I I like it a lot, and I, that's that's not to say that I, I defend every you know because some of the complaints that people have are valid. Yeah, the characters aren't that great, but for me, <laughs> yeah. But we've just been working through the Godzilla movies. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter to me that the characters aren't that great. Yeah. I, I I like the situations they get in too much to give a shit really. Uh, yeah. I mean, do I wish Brian Cranston was actually there the whole time? Of course I do. He's Brian Cranston. He's great. But but man, and I know people go, oh, they held off Godzilla too long, but. Oh, when Godzilla shows up! Oh yeah, it's an en- it's an entrance, and then the fights at the end are great. Oh my god, I love fantastic! It. I, I, I think I actually geeked out like a little kid when the the, the atomic breath mm, kicked I in. I get it. When I, when I realised that's what was about to happen, it, there was this moment of glee. Uh, I, I was fanboying so hard in that that theatre seat. I'm not gonna lie. I I honestly think it's a great movie. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, not so much for the characters, but I, I do like it a lot. Uh, so 41, um, just a slightly different number from what you had at. This is our first duplicate, I think. Uh, a Clockwork Orange, uh, number 41 for me. Uh, basically, what you said, uh, you know, not to, to go into it. I'll just, you know, it is very visceral. I think it has some really unique imagery. I think that shot of the, the, the four guys coming down the, the, the under the yeah. bridge is uh, so iconic. Um, and... I'll, I'll just add on that the, uh, you know, obviously a lot of these movies have porn parodies. I just want to say the title of A Clockwork Orgy may be one of the best porn parody titles ever. It's, so, it's not bad. So yeah. I'm giving it a, I think the only one that beats it for me, honestly, is A Wet Dream in Elm Street, for obvious reasons, because that is so good. <laughs> it, it is fantastic. But, uh, you know, n- naming porn parodies is an art. It is, it is. And they, they kind of just give up eventually and just started saying triple X parody at the end of the, the, the regular yeah, title. Yeah, I, I lose all respect for anyone who did yeah, that. Uh, bollocks. Uh, but, no, it's very good. It's, it, like I say, it's very disturbing. It, it sticks with you in your head because it does have such a disturbing uh, style. And I like how the second half takes a character who has been irreprehensible the entire time and... You don't feel bad for him per se, but you do start to wonder. It's, it's almost like a white beard, Black Mirror, where this isn't like rehabilitation. This is something else. It's a, it, it becomes sadistic. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it, it becomes. It, it's satirical, you know, of course. It's a very yeah. satirical story. It's it's kind of becomes a, okay. This is just inhumane at, the, at, at yeah. a point, even to someone who is you know not a good person. Yeah, uh, hate and violence breed hate and violence. Uh, to, to sum that up, what's your forty? Uh, my forty is the the second time that we're going to have a duplicate here because oh. I've got the road, ah. so a little, little bit higher than you had it. Uh, and again, maybe this is that it's it's fresh in my mind because obviously I just watched this for the first time this month, but I thought it was great. I really did. And you know the the scene you keep mentioning every time we do these countdowns, my god, that scene, that scene indeed. No, uh, yeah, I mean I said my I said my thing. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, we will move on. Uh, interestingly, you just had the Godzilla 2014. I have another Gareth Edwards movie here. Number 40 for me is Monsters, hmm. uh, which is essentially a love... Well, I don't want to say a love story, but it's, it's, a, it's a drama about two characters who kind of fall for each other uh, whilst they're going through the, the, the... I can't remember what they call it in the movie, but it's like the alien monsters have kind of invaded a certain part of the planet and it's been kind of cordoned off, so it's just kind of that area is the... but. The, he he's been like sort of hired to try and help get this 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 woman through the the monster territory to escort her. Uh, 
Yeah, or is he tagging along because there's like a SWAT team taking her through? Uh, it's been always as I've watched it. I can't remember the exact setup, but once once like the team get taken out quite quickly, and it's just them, and it's them exploring the jungle and like you know dodging the monsters and getting past the the various things that have been left in their wake and getting to the big wall, you know, uh, that's going to lead back to civilization, and it's just. Some people don't like it. Some people think it's like a really slow because it isn't focused on. It's not like a. It's not like a Godzilla movie where you get monster attacks all the time and there's a lot of like big action stuff. There's like a little bit of that, but it's more about the characters and it's more about um, looking at lo- looking at pairings in love and romance and looking at how human beings treat people and you know it's just a movie about humanity. Uh, and I actually I, I love the ending. I think the ending's uh, very poignant and very bittersweet. Uh, and it stuck with me after I watched it. And just to add on the impressive factor, uh, all the visual effects for the movie, Gareth Edwards did himself on a laptop, I believe, if I recall the story correctly. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. This is a movie that I planned to watch in this month, but I didn't get round to. Mm. I have had this sat on my shelf. Or a, <laughs> No, no, no. There's a story to this one. Okay. A, for approximately three years, because I had a lecture on this, because uh, I, I studied film music, and we watched a few of the scenes, including the ending, which is always a little frustrating when that happens. <laughs> but I loved what I saw so much that I went out and bought it and I went, I'm not going to watch it yet. I'm going to wait for that to fade in my mind a little bit. Annoyingly, that ending is still really vivid in my mind. So I'm just yeah. going to give up at some point. That's because it's so beautiful. No, that... it is. It's. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, sometimes these fade over, over a couple of years. But, but no, so I'll just get this watch probably this yeah. year. And, and, it, and it makes the monsters in this a little bit unique. I don't want to say why because it kind of spoils what that ending is, yeah, but yeah. it makes them unique from other monster movies in a way that I really like. It does. Uh, and you mentioned the music. The music's really good. I like the main theme a lot. Yeah, so. it's fantastic. No. Uh, what, what number are you on? 39. Sorry. 39. Ah, 39. I have a, a classic. This is a classic. Jurassic Park. Now, oh. arguably, this is too low for some. If Matt... If Matt, you know, looks at this list, he is going to lynch you. <laughs> do you know what? I can't wait till uh, we, we're going to do this countdown in the Facebook group and we'll post our lists afterwards. I'm waiting for his reaction. Uh, Matt, you know, he may have like Star Wars above it, but I feel like Matt's Jurassic Park's like in the top one or two for him. I feel like as, as a general rule for Matt, you have Star Wars, Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones just at the top of everything. Yeah, but Indy's not, you know... No, no, it doesn't count for this, yeah. but just is, is a rule of thumb for life. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's Matt in a nutshell. But, I mean, you know, this is a great movie, isn't it? It's a classic for a reason. You've got some fantastic-looking effects on the dinosaurs. I mean, let's let's get that out there. Let's hold up, because some of it is not CG, it's practical. Stan Winston was involved in making puppets and all sorts. Yeah, it's, it's a really <clears throat> impressive mixture, and I think it's something films could remember is hey mixtures work you enhance what you've got mixtures work better i they do. I, I will stand by that phrase uh, forever but movie shows don't want to hear about it they just want you cg's easy that's just the cg yeah exactly but it's, it's it's just not as good it's just not uh, i mean luckily cg keeps getting better and better so i mean eventually it may not matter that much but uh, no of course but there's, there's a way where having some practical grounds the cg it makes it does, the cg yeah. better as well it pulls it up uh, with it that said then you get your your uh your apes movies from the last few years oh, saying hey yeah. look at this we don't need no practical <laughs> <laughs> we could just do it uh but hey yeah, yeah, uh, my number will be on 39 Nine. uh 
I, I went, you know, I had like the ultra dark Clockwork Orange, then I went to like the, the sort of like low key sci fi romance drama with monsters. I'm going to flat out comedy satire with Galaxy Quest uh, for number 13. I'm bouncing around the moods. So, Galaxy Quest is extremely entertaining. It is a love letter to Star Trek, fans of Star Trek, fandom in general. Uh, great cast. Obviously, we did this not too long ago on Influx. And uh, yeah. So I mean, you can go watch that like forty, fifty minute video to for, for the full details. For, for yeah. the full details, but um, uh, I, I love all the tropes it plays with, all the various characters. Uh, and in fact, I'll use this to bring up something. I, I think during the review, you said uh, you thought Alan Rickman's character was based on uh, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, some people informed me that uh, Leonard McCoy wrote a book called "I'm Not Spock." And was okay. sort of against his. And honestly, given most of it seems more original cast based, I feel like it's more. No, no, that works. I stand yeah. by my logic when I said that. Yeah. The, very much the the the, Seth, the thespian disappointed in me in pigeonholed. Uh, for the record, he also went on to write a book called "I Am Spock" later on. Uh, so he he came to peace with it. <laughs> a, a very similar journey to Patrick Stewart. Then. <laughs> well, I, I think you get better for a while, then you get older, and you realise, you know what? I'm kind of lucky to have the life I've had. In so. a, another example that, that stuck me recently was a Doctor Who. You know the the guy the the guy who played the Master recently. Oh yeah, uh, John Sim. He hated it for about three years, and he would go, "No, no, I don't want to be. No one mentioned this to me. I want to be. You know, I want to do other stuff. I want people to know I'm more than just that." And now he's like, yeah, no, go on then. It's fine. Interesting. What's your 38? My 38, this is a, you know, a one that came up in the 2000s list. This is Cowboy Bebop the movie. It's a, it's a great extended episode of the show, essentially. Uh, it takes place towards the end of the show. Uh, it, it, obviously, it was released a few years later, but it has a placement. It's a, a fun journey. It's It's... A little romp. It's not too serious. It's you know, it, it's a little over long at points, but overall, it hits all the the beats that you want from that, and it, it you know, totally consistent. For the record, this is the first thing in your list I've not seen. That's fine, and you know, I said, oh, there's one on my list that that you've not seen that you'll hate. Mm-hmm. This wasn't it. Oh, because you've said repeatedly that I'd like Cowboy Bebop. I'm just. Being, I think I think you would. Yeah. I'm being stubborn. <laughs> My number thirty-eight. Uh, now I've got a classic, and that is Planet of the Apes, the original mm. 1968. Uh, we we did this as well, actually, just before uh, War came out last year. We made a point of uh, going back and doing this one, and uh, it held up really well. Uh, if anything, the the satire and the political commentary, the social commentary, was even stronger than it ever has been because it's still super relevant. Everything was working on multiple layers as well. It was working from, uh, you know, just you know the idea of people in power, making sure they're still in power, and pooing other ideas and all, all these other things. Like it had all that greatly uh, through and through. And then on top of that, you do have you know just the fun action and the you know Charlton Heston like fighting the apes and all the rest of it, and of course the classic uh, twist ending. So. Yes, which you could probably spoil because it's no longer a twist. True, true. Everyone, they'd always put in the, the, the covers and now in the posters. Yes. But yeah, just just you know, just for the sake respect, of it, yeah. respect for spoilers. Yeah, I, I'll say this: I I do not I do not think there's an expiration date on spoilers. I I think you can get more open with them, but I do not think under any circumstance there is like you should ever be enough of a douchebag not to at least say in the title, you know, or at least you know. Don't put a spoiler in the title of your thing, right? You just, you know, make it clear you're going to be talking about this. You don't necessarily have to give a spoiler warning, but, you know. That's the thing. If I see an article you're going to be talking about, you know, Planet of the Apes, 
Yeah. Fair enough. I'm going to assume if I haven't seen it, I'm not going to talk, look at it because you know you, you're probably going to want to talk spoilers at this yeah. point. Same with Sixth Sense, right? You know what? Uh, obviously, you can start talking about the spoilers, but you know, just make it clear in your title you're going to talk about the Sixth Sense. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, I think I think that is just courtesy. But I agree. I don't. I don't think it's too much to ask for. But it's not. the internet disagrees. The internet, yeah. I don't. Anyway, what's your thirty-seven? My thirty-seven is Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. This mm. is uh, a, a, a my favorite of the the original three. It is a blast. It is so much fun. Lots of you know car mechanic nonsense <laughs> which kind of sums up the series as a whole really i guess yeah it's basically the the desert version of Waterworld. see now why, why do you have to do and do that <laughs> it, this <laughs> i don't know where to go with that now you've just you've just ruined this what, what, what's the point there's nothing i can say about mad max 2 now that is worth saying because you've ruined it by bringing Waterworld into it. Uh, my number 37 is Gattaca, which is a fantastic uh, film. Uh, this is uh, one of your sort of rare examples of a Hollywood sci-fi movie that's actually mostly about the thinking and less about the the action. The, the really action? Ref- action. Really refined. It is refined. Uh, you, you got Guy Pearce, who I like a lot. You got Emma Thurman, you got Jude Law. And it's set in a world that seems more and more believable, given what you hear uh, in the news as time goes on. But basically, they can predict, uh, as soon as you're born, they can read your DNA and say, hey, this person's got an X percent chance of cancer at by this age. And basically, instead of discriminating based on uh, race, sex, uh, sexuality, sexuality, that sort of stuff, now in this future, they discriminate based on if you're likely to have a, a healthy long life or not. So... Yeah. Uh, basically, Guy Pierce was told you can't be anything but you know simple menial jobs because you are not likely to last. Uh, it, so it's there, all there's no point essentially. So it's all about him saying no, screw destiny, screw you know that's I mean it's not destiny but that's kind of what it is, still is in a weird way. He's saying yeah. screw destiny, I can do this, and it's all about him uh, basically infiltrating and pretending to be someone else so that he can become to achieve his dream of becoming an astronaut, and that's kind of the movie. It's, it's very it, good. It, it's very much no. no. I make my own choices. I yeah. live my own life. You like, don't tell me what to do. Life is left to chance, and it yeah. always will be. So, yeah, it's, uh, a, it, it's a great movie. A phenomenal score. Oh yeah, very good score. Uh, every time I, I watch it, the, the the theme is like stuck in my head. Uh, oh, for, yeah, for days, weeks, even. Yeah. So uh, that's my thirty-seven. Yeah. No, it's it's funny because it's actually my thirty-six. Oh, very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, so we, we could just move straight on. <laughs> Every so often that happens on these lists. It's bizarre. It usually happens once per list. It happened with me and Tim once or twice. Yeah, I think on the 2000s we had one that was the exact same number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fancy that. To be fair, that would have happened with Clockwork Orange if we were going the opposite order. I would have, yeah. It's only because it's you going first that it kind of had something in between. Anyway, uh, so my 36 is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Uh, this is the week. There's the Star Trek one where the time travel to present day at the time, of course, for uh, 1986. I want to say 86, 87, whatever year it came out. Uh, and basically, they have to try and <laughs> get. I, I can't remember. The, I assume it's uh, the, 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 basically they need the, to get home. They, they need uh, something from nuclear missiles or something like that. But the point being is, you've got Chekhov in like New York City. Nine, or oh no, sorry, is it San Francisco? I think it's San Francisco because I'm seeing the Golden Gate Bridge in the poster. Uh, it's been a while since I've watched it clearly, right? But he's going around a city 
present day US is Russian and he's asking for nuclear vessels. Right? It's an old meme. People spread it around all the time. Of course, Kurt kind of has a love interest in present day that he kind of charms. Uh, I've never seen that before. But I try to get home. It's got a whole save the whale message going on. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm vaguely familiar with that as a thing. Yeah. I have no context for it yet, and I can't wait till we get there. If I recall, they have to go back because whales are extinct in the future, so they have to go back to present day to get some whales because they need whales to save the day. That's the that's the plot of the movie. Oh, you know, we'll we'll be we should be getting to these movies in the second half of this year, sometime after summer. Right. Yeah, late summer, around then, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, can't I'll, wait to finally experience these. I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it. Like, like, obviously, some of the early plot details are a bit hazy in my head. Uh, but all the stuff of them raiding on like the subway at various points and trying to blend in the ship being invisible but sitting in a park, so like, you know, like a dog will run into it at one point or something like that. Like, it just it's a blast. It's definitely a goofier one. It's a lot of like fun as opposed to like the serious plot of like Wrath of Khan or something like that, but. Uh, I love it. Star Trek Four Voyage Home. No, oh, that's cool. Uh, my thirty-five is is one that you've mentioned not so long ago. Actually, this is happening a bit more and more in this area now. This is the original Planet of the Apes. Ah. Uh, yeah, for all the reasons you said. You know, we we reviewed this what nearly a year ago at this point. Nine months. I don't know. No, it was uh, more like uh, May time. May time. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, a bit over half a year. Oh, don't blame me. Time's funny. I mean, time is very funny. That, that's, you know, big, big big things. But great movie. And like I say, it really holds up. And the costumes, yeah, they're not bad. The the, the actual ape costumes, I think they're something that could have looked really rough, hmm. especially given that, you know, the, the benchmark that we have from the new ape films. But for what they are, they're pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Obviously, I talked about it, so I will move on to my 35, which is one you've mentioned already, uh, and that is Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Uh, but I'll talk about it properly. I won't get sidetracked with Waterworld that like he did. So You did that. You're a dick. No, no. This is like, you know, you've got, like, they worship cars and shit. Like, this little town has an oil tanker, and obviously oil in the wasteland in the post-apocalyptic future is very hard to come by. So you've got all these gangs, you know, these ridiculous costumes. It's great. There's a lot of great car chases. You've got Mad Max being the kind of the, the reluctant, but, you know, hero who's going to save the day. Uh, the first movie, I've not watched in a long time. I'll be curious to do these at some point on Influx to revisit it. Uh, I don't remember loving the first movie when I saw it. See, this is the thing. I watched these two a few months before Fury Road came out, Mm -hmm. uh, and I watched those two back to back, and I thought the first one was was all right, but I think it's fascinating how it went in this direction for the second one, because the first one's so kind of straight. They're very different movies. They are. The first one plays... Everything's pretty normal. There's there's a few weird things here and there, but it's mostly reasonably realistic, and this one just kind of goes... Nah, screw it. Yeah, C- crazy uh, tribe people. Well, it's the saying that you know George Miller is involved in all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, uh, he, he had to like co-direct the third one, if I remember right, which is the only one I've not seen. Might I add? Uh, I, I, it's the only one I've not seen too. So I, I'm looking forward to getting to that at some point and getting the Tina Turner Mad Max uh, in my in my repertoire. But mm. uh, but no, uh, Mad Max Two: Road Warrior. Uh, it's, a, it's a great action movie, great sci-fi movie, and it's basically the movie that all post-apocalyptic movies from then on kind of took inspiration from in some way. Uh, this this became a big hit. Uh, it was called The Road Warrior in most places in the West when it first came out because 
they didn't have Man Max One yet, <laughs> so uh, it was just the Road Warrior for a long time, and then it, you know Man Max Two became more known uh, later on when they actually got the first yeah. one. But ultimately, you don't really need to have seen the first one. Oh, you don't? No, it works without it. But uh, I mean, obviously, I'm a stickler for. Uh, oh yeah, continuity. Watch yeah. things when you can. But hey, uh, so what's your thirty-four? Uh, my thirty-four. We're going a bit more recent. Uh, this is Arrival. This is the twenty sixteen movie. That, yes. that, that sounds about right. I, look, I'm still trying to figure out what year I'm in now. It's I've not quite caught up to twenty eighteen yet. So bear with me on on years and you know dates in general. Not, not my strong point. No jokes. I, I can sense them, but this is a, a very different movie of you know an alien arrival. This is all about how do we communicate. You know, Amy Adams in one of her best performances, uh, you know, translating, you know, trying to understand language at its core and you know, the idea of, of conversing with another species. And it's handled in such a, uh, a very beautiful way. Yeah, it's, it's like the English class equivalent of Waterworld. Ah, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's my new favourite running joke. Uh, no, Arrival is very good. Arrival is proper heady science fiction filmmaking. It's all about the ideas uh, mm. rather than you know big action set pieces or anything like that. Uh, and it's a very unique uh, and particular focus. You know, let's talk about language and how we translate and how we how we communicate. It's all about communication. Obviously, there's a social message like all good science fiction has. Uh, this was a very very strong film. Uh, I can't yeah. fault the pick. Uh, what are we on? Thirty four. My 34, also a relatively recent film. Very different, though. This is Dread. Hmm. Because Dread. Uh, now, this is uh, a giant homage to John Carpenter. It feels like a John Carpenter movie with a John Carpenter score. you got Dread. It's a bottle movie. It's mostly set in this one high-rise building. You've got a ridiculous villain who's over the top and how evil she is. And you've got... Dread be being you know gruff and like you know I don't care what goes on I'm I'm you know doing the law like he's kind of like a Snake Plissken esque thing that's kind of you know where some of the comparisons yeah. to uh, to uh, you know John Carpenter comes up but uh, it's very slick it was very impressive when it came out and it still kind of hurts that it bombed so hard that the chances of a sequel are nigh impossible that said there is hope that this TV show might get Carl Urban and we'll get essentially a TV show out of this I, I, I'm I'm still you know kind of you know I I, I don't pray. But if I did, that'd be what I'd be praying for. Yeah, yeah. Pray to Dennis Hopper and Waterworld that you'll get a Dread <laughs> sequel. No, I don't even need a sequel. I want the TV show with oh, Carl Urban. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just get Carl Urban in this. Make it, uh, you know, make this. Okay, no, that's that Dread world. Yeah, get, get Carl Urban and get the actress. I can't remember her name. Who did uh, Anderson in the yeah. movie? Yeah, no, they were great. You need those two. That's all you need. Get those two actors, and you can just make a show. You know following that movie easy you, you can because that kind of functions as a pilot for a tv show in many ways it does uh what's your 33 my 33 this is war for the planet of the apes uh, the, you know. <laughs> the primate version of Waterworld. <laughs> for god's sake why, why are we still doing this why, why are we here everything's just this you know, you know how things do you do it with die hard oh it's die hard on a plane <laughs> it's die hard on a boat yeah this is it's water world with apes yeah that, that's what you're going with yeah uh, it's post-apocalyptic so it kind of it's true balls <laughs> can't argue with that <laughs> no this is a gorgeous movie 
it has a surprising amount of heart. Even after the second one, which you know made me feel things, this does it in a different way entirely. Mm-hmm. And it has a fantastic couple of set pieces. And it is probably the benchmark for special effects. And if it doesn't win awards for special effects, there are things that will be smashed over people's heads. Hmm. Yeah, uh, we're on 33. My number 33 is a very small, low-budget indie movie uh, from 2013 called Coherence, which happens to star Nicholas Brendan, uh, who was on the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. He played Xander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I How could it. I not do it with... I, I know, I know. Xander's I know. in the movie, I had to do it. Anyway, so this is a movie about parallel universes, and it is a very simple... It's mostly set in a house, and something weird happens... And they start to see signs that maybe there's something bizarre going on. And uh, again, much, much like uh, some other small budget science fiction films, it's all about the, the ideas and exploring the ideas. And uh, it, It's, it's kind of trippy. You can kind of guess where some things are going, but then it goes even further than you think it's going to. Uh, and like I say, it's all in a house. It's a group of people. Uh, the power goes out one night, then they get powered back on. And basically, like it looks like the lights are out everywhere, but there's one house in a dist- in the distance that still got lights on, and you know just to sort of set up the plot a little bit, that may just be a duplicate of their house, and it goes just in wacky directions from there. Um, this sounds entirely like your sort of movie. Oh, I I, honestly, it. I think I'd love it as well. Yeah, by the sounds of it, it's great. Uh, I just I heard about it. Just I think someone mentioned it on a podcast or something, just in passing, and. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, like yeah, they, they did not need a lot of money for this. This is all in a house, pretty much, and just maybe the surrounding areas of the house, and that's the whole movie. But it's so good because it just keeps building upon building ideas. And mm. It's great stuff. I highly recommend checking out Coherence if you can, if you can track it down. I think, I think it was on Amazon Prime for a while, but you track it down. Have a, have a, have a look, see. Yeah, you, you find it wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what's your 32? 32, okay. Uh, I'm going with her. Which was 2011? Around that time? 2013. 2013, okay. Like I said, I'm not going to do years. Why do you keep trying then? (laughs) I I feel like I'm going to get them right eventually. (laughs) uh, Hey, I got a rival right. After after I second-guessed myself, I was still right. But her is a uh, a, 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 a unusual romance movie. Which I don't know might might have won our Patreon vote. I don't know what that if that it did or not. That's yet. right. It's, it's in the Patreon vote for that. Uh, for yeah, I, I, but we were recording before we checked the results for that. Yeah, uh, so maybe we'll be covering that next month uh, or this month. I, I don't know, but this is you know a, a story of a man falling in love with his phone. Essentially, it's uh it's Siri, fair, Siri of the future. To be fair, Scarlett Johansson was was your phone. You may fall in love with them too. No, no. See, that's the great thing about this movie. I buy it. Like mm. you, you know, from from the, the you see how like lonely this man is, and then suddenly you've got you know like the the, the perfect person to talk to in your pocket at all time. You kind of that's the point of phone anyway, if you know the person. But they're just there, any time of day, any time of night. Yeah, you know, at, at your disposal to talk to, and it's it's kind of really romantic for a while until of course things are like not quite as nice as they seem because that's the point of most of these movies they they kind of go wrong somewhere and i won't go down that path if you've not seen it but it 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 made me feel a few things here and there 
Yeah, it's just like Kevin Costner falling in love with that woman on Waterworld. It's kind of a weird romance, it's not conventional, it's a bit different. You're not sure if you should be written for it or not, because it's kind of weird. You're, you're going to be stretching on some of these. Her, her, hers is great. I love her. Uh, hers, hers is a very touching movie. Uh, I love it loads. Uh, my number 32 is The Fountain, uh, which is a Darren Aronofsky film. And it is very trippy. It's very very beautiful. Great images in places uh, where you have like this this really weird futuristic bubble with a tree in it and he's floating through space. Hugh, yeah, Hugh Jackman, that, that being who I'm talking about. Uh, Rachel Weisz is also in it. And it's a story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense at first when it's cutting between like three different kind of stories. It's got like it's got the future thing in the bubble. It's got this weird thing in during the Crusades, uh, you know, in the past, and then it's got this present day story. But there is actually a neat solution that fits it all together, which you kind of get by the end of the movie. And it's just this, it's a story about the beginning, the middle, and the end of a relationship, and it's kind of kind of sweet and beautiful. And uh, uh, it really f- it floored me when I saw it because I think it was the first Aronofsky movie I watched. Unfortunately, he's kind of went into a weird deep end that I've not been as into recently. But uh, I like I like this a lot. So the Fountain. Oh, cool. What uh, one of the few of his I haven't seen yet. So my thirty-one. This is a movie that we did on Flux. This is the Iron Giant. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is this is Brad Bird's second best film. I'll be the yeah. judge of that. And I'm letting that say, hey, hey, ask me this time next year. It might be third best. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, but this is you know this is a boy befriends an iron giant and teaches him about Superman. What's not to love? I can't think of a way to connect this to Waterworld, so just keep yeah, going. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the only reason is you love this too much to want to connect it to Waterworld. Like I don't love like, some of the other ones that I've connected to Waterworld. Oh, I know, I know. No, no. This is, this is undoable. You can't do it. I found one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Iron Giant is very touching. I think it speaks yeah. to the, the the superhero fans in us. Of course, it's it's a so. it is a super a Superman movie that you know you can just watch that that isn't tainted by bollocks. No, no see this this no, I'll tell you how this is like Waterworld because here we go. That this is the Waterworld to what you think is Brad Bird's best film, which is actually The Postman. Of Kevin Costner's career, and I think most people agree that Waterworld is the better of the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I don't know if most people do agree that this is that the, the, you know back no, on, on Iron Giant here. Not, right, not going yeah. to your stupid comparisons. I don't know if most people do agree that this is that this is his best. Oh, I don't necessarily conduct th- a poll. I don't necessarily think they do. I, I, I'm just. No, 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 you I'm, just wanted the dig. I'm using the, the, the Waterworld Postman reference to, to tell mm. my story. Anyway, uh, my number 31 is uh, a relatively modern classic, although it's now almost 20 years old. So it, feel, it still feels modern to me. I've, honestly, anything like 90s and up feels modern to me, really. But I think there is a... You know, m- most decades have a feel to them. Yeah. I think 90s is when I would say, okay, that's starting to feel modern. And you know, you but, could, it shifts in the 2000s, yeah. don't be wrong. But I wouldn't say 70s and 80s feels old either, though. I think 70s and 80s have their own... I mean, both decades have their own feel. It's not really until the 60s where I start to think that's an old movie to me. Right, I agree with that, but, yeah. Uh, obviously, the youngins today might uh, disagree with that assessment. But, uh, no, so my number 31 is The Matrix. Mm. 
uh, obviously you get your your cyberpunk, uh, the, you know, virtual reality movie. Uh, with the chosen one inside the system coming out and then believing he's the chosen one and fighting the the, the machines from within it is actually very anime. Funnily enough, <laughs> it is. It's, is that it's, something it's that, very inspired by some yeah. very particular animes, isn't it? Uh, it's not. I, I never realised that at the time. Of course, that's something I've come to know. Uh, you know, over the years, uh, discovering all this various stuff. But uh, the Matrix has very troublesome sequels. But the first one is a really solid damn film. Like it, it really holds up. It is. I I rewatched that this month for the first time in at least five or six years. There's a and a, it really does hold up. There's a reason why it hit the the, the zeitgeist when it did. It worked. You. It, it's one of those. You know where the a song gets overplayed mm. and you kind of go, Ugh, why, why did everyone listen to that song? And then you don't hear it. And then you know, five years later, you hear it. Go, oh yeah, that was a cracking song. So I think it holds up really well. It's a really tight action film. It's got good action sequences. It's got a good story. It's got good visuals, sci-fi, ideas, and all the rest of it. All of it works really well. And I think, I mean, obviously, I think the sequels kind of sully the memory a little bit. Although now I just forget they exist and just watch this and enjoy it. As it's oh, yeah. Thing. There's a reason I only watch this one. Yeah. Uh, but, no, The Matrix is a really, really good movie. And, it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, it's good. It's, you know, I think at the end you fist pump, and you really care about the characters, and you really, you know, you, you really get into it. Uh, so no, I, I highly, hi, highly recommend going back and checking the Matrix out again if you if you've been kind of avoiding it for a long time because you're worried that it's you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, sure, some of the outfits and stuff are very named easily. Oh god, this is it, really it's 90s, the sort of but... movie that you look at and go, that's probably aged badly, but it really hasn't. No, because it's just it's well made enough. It's it's kind of uh, weird how the Wachowskis seemingly aren't actually that good overall they just kind of almost flipped their way into this great film uh, <laughs> yeah no, it just, just kind of happened somehow i've not seen bound and i do actually quite enjoy speed racer for the record mm-hmm. but well. uh, i've not seen i've seen the matrix sequels they're terrible i've not seen triple s ending but everyone you know, i'm assured it's awful yeah i'm assured it's awful uh sense does have its fans although it's a very i'd say small and passionate fan base as opposed to widespread love for sense uh, yeah. but so you know they're very very unique in that sense but hey Matrix is really good so check it out if you, I mean I say that as if most people haven't seen the Matrix <laughs> I don't know, that was a weird sentence uh, that's, just, that's just how you end the end the yeah, phrase you end the, the thing yeah. anyway check it on. out but you've seen it uh, so my number 30 yes 30 uh, oh the original Godzilla this is what started it all for, for Influx I'm just doing a back and try. You can just... Oh yeah, okay, Karen. Okay, yeah. This was our very first episode, and it was the first time I'd rewatched it in a while. And oh man, it holds up. It is a classic for a reason. The messaging, it's it's a different messaging now that we read it because obviously different times. But in context of when it was made, it's a very powerful movie. While being really well written. Uh, for the characters, which is something you can't say about the 2014 Godzilla movie, and a gorgeous end, you know, 15 minutes or so, like just breathtaking. Yeah, uh, the the first big, uh, the, the the big main like Godzilla going through the city is also absolutely gorgeous, uh, black and white. It feels like a horror movie almost at times because it feels so eerie. Uh, it has has these vibes. The, the sequels, well, fun don't have that yeah, those, don't, that feeling. To Godzilla it. really is treated as a horror. Yeah, this you know this scourge of nat- nature. 
yeah, the, the nuclear bomb. It really feels like a weapon of mass destruction. It's terrifying. So, no. Um, yeah. Uh, he's basically the, the, the ace caps of Waterworld, essentially. Okay, very good. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. My number 30 is a movie that Connor underrates, unfortunately, because oh. he's a moron. Uh, it is The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. A fantastic film. We're back to... Every so often, one of my sci-fi picks will be like a really good love story. And this is one of these films. Uh, it's not ultra sci-fi. It's a very sort of simple, grounded sort of science fiction take where there's just this, this technology to erase one's memories of a person if you want to choose to do that. And the story of the film is that Jim Carrey, uh, you know, his girlfriend's Kate Winslet, he, they have a really bad breakup. He wants to forget her. But we see in his head as the memories are being ripped away. He's kind of living through them as they're being torn apart. And as it's happening, he realised that he doesn't actually want to lose these memories. Because as badly as it ended, he, there was a lot of nice times. There was a lot of good memories, and it was a good part of his life. And he doesn't want to lose that. Uh, it's got a lot to say about relationships. It's a really interesting exploration um, of who people are. And I think you can take the ending in a very cynical way, or you can take it in a very kind of uh, charming, hopeful way, depending on what sort of prick you are. Uh, I'm assuming Connor took it the cynical way, because I know what he's like. <laughs> so, uh, but I love it. Uh, I see hope in the ending. Uh, and I, I know others do too. Uh, it's a very beautiful film, uh, really simple ideas, uh, but really complex in their sort of execution. Uh, also, I think it's shot really well, I think it's really well directed as well, on top of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, I watched that recently. If you watch our you know, movie news show that we recently started up, you will know how I feel about this. I think it's a very good movie. And I'm not saying that anything you said there was wrong. I think was overhyped for me. It didn't quite live up to my expectations. So maybe, maybe when I watch this again in a few years, if I do, mm. uh, I might you know, reconsider. All right, what's your twenty-nine? Okay, this is where things. This is one I know you haven't seen. You will never watch because you will hate it with a passion. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Actually, oh, go on. <laughs> this is Tokyo Tribe. I have never heard of this. <laughs> no. So this is an alternate history Japan, and we're slightly in the future. Is it animated? No, this is live action. Oh, okay. All right. And Tokyo is is it's, it's controlled by gangs. Uh, you know, there's a few different gangs, and they go to war. And it's an all-out insane action movie. However, there's the, the caveat that will make you hate, because you're going right now, going, ooh. Yeah, what's like wrong it? with this? That sounds no. fine. That sounds like some sort of Warriors-esque Japan, yeah. Tokyo no, no, no. movie. What, what's oh, going on? Here's, here's the twist. It's a musical. <laughs> <sighs> what a way to ruin a good concept. What a way to ruin it. <laughs> oh, there we go. I was waiting for it. It is utterly insane, this movie. Like, I can't describe how insane this movie is. It really is balls to the wall out there. I'm sorry, is, is, this, is this top 50 musicals? No, it's top 50 sci-fi. Keep your musical hey, trash off off my, my episode. It's in the future. It's like a dystopian <laughs> sort of gang future. It counts. Screw you. <laughs> and you don't know enough about this to make it Waterworld. <laughs> um, well, Tokyo is like the water. And then the gangs, like the various, you know, the gangs on the, on the water world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not that different. Yeah, it's yeah, not that different. Sure. If Dennis Topper started singing, it'd be just like this movie. Honestly, though, if there's one movie on my list that I recommend you check out, even just out of morbid curiosity of what I just said, this is the one. 
My number 29 is, I will go back to my childhood actually, this is the one that I grew up on. Uh, this is a, a Joe Dante film called Explorers. Uh, this is a film that came out in the same year as The Goonies, and everyone talks about The Goonies, everyone remembers The Goonies, and I'm not dissing on The Goonies, I love The Goonies. But I love this just as much. Uh, it's three kids, one of whom is a, a young Ethan Hawke, you know, when he was like 12, which is kind of weird, or 13, 14, whatever it's he was. Has a picture, because I've yeah. not seen this. Uh, River Phoenix is one of the, the young kids who, of course, tragically died at a young age later on. Uh, but there are three kids, and the plot of this movie, uh, again, sort of 80s kids, they're on bikes, is that they build a spaceship, and they go into freaking space. And I love it. This is, this is you know, this that, you know, if you've if you been enjoying Stranger Things, this is exactly the sort of movie you might want to go back and dig out and say, hey, I'll give this a try. And Sounds fun. Yeah, one of the kids, the smart kid, uh, basically designs this like weird. I mean, obviously the, the the science here is absolute nonsense, but he designs like a bubble that's that can he can control and float. So they build a ship to go inside the bubble, so they can go up to wherever. Why not? Uh, and they they build the ship out of like a uh, like an old arc, like an old uh, you know like fairground ride. It's one of these circular yeah, yeah. things with the sort of thing. So everyone goes in and it spins around. They take that and they build a spaceship out of it, and they put seats in, and they've got little screens, and oh, it's great! It's uh, I love it. Sounds it. like a blast. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunately not as remembered as much as some of the other movies of the era of of this kind. But uh, I, I have to be honest, I'm not really familiar with it. And some people don't like uh, how ultra sort of sci-fi it goes in the last like. I mean, mm. even slightly silly. When they actually, I'll just say the third act, they actually got into a spaceship. But I'm all about it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm so into it. Uh, and of course, Joe Dante, regular Dick Miller's in it. He's like this guy who's trying to track down the weird radar readings that he's been getting. So he's, he's looking into like what's going on, uh, and he's trying to stop the kids. Uh, but it's, it's great. this is one for when we inevitably do the eighties month. Mm. I'll I'll be sure to yeah put on, put on my to watch list. I love explorers. It's it's the sort of thing that I, I you know I would imagine I'd think about as a kid. I'd imagine I could build a spaceship and go to space. Yeah. So no, it, it plays to my sensibilities. I love it. It's great. Which is twenty eight. Okay, so we're going from your really fun upbeat thing you loved to where you start to get angry. This is it. You want to take a guess? No, no, it just hit me. Oh, okay. Pull, pull, pull it off quick. Off quick. I'm going with Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I know, I know. Contentious, to say the least. I stand by it. It's not even just that I dislike. I think it's garbage. I actually I think know. it's garbage. I know. I know you do. I love it. I really do. I, I think it's... Ex- I, I, I agree. There are a couple of moments that are a bit overly fan servicey. I'm not going to dispute that. But I think there are some amazing moments. I think the plot overall is fun. Don't care what you say. I know it's... You could say, oh, it's redundant. We didn't need to see this. I don't care if I didn't need to see it. I enjoyed seeing it. And I like characters, unlike you, in this movie. And K2SO is a particular well, highlight. You like the characters. Don't say I don't like characters. I like characters. I like no, good you, characters. Okay. Yeah, I don't like characters right, in this word. movie because they're cardboard cutouts. They have no personality or charisma. And he doesn't like K2SO. Which really upsets because Alan Tudyk did the voice, and I like Alan Tudyk, but... Alan Tudyk's great. I feel like it was trying to be, uh, uh, what's his face from Guardians? Drax. Ah, Drax. I was, just, I, was, I, was, I was thinking Batista. That's his, that's his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think who, who, yeah, who Drax. could be. But, uh, I mean, 
I get what you're saying, but th- this this isn't a lack of understanding. This is just an extremely dry wit. Okay. So it's different. Uh, it fell flat for me. The entire film. That, that, fell that's flat fine, for me. and I, I'm not here to get into this again. We've done this <laughs> many a time, so we can just go. This is where I've had it. You can be annoyed about all the movies I've put it above, and we can move on. I can sum it up quite neatly. It's better than the prequels because it actually looks like a film. You know, it actually looks like a, has you know gritty quality to it in terms of the visuals. But there's not much else that really separates it that much. So, trash. Anyway, what are we on? Uh, 28. 28. Uh, my 28 is a film we did in Flux, uh, and it's one that I watched for the first time when we did it on Flux, so this is kind of notable. This is Stalker, mm. uh, the Andrei Tarkovsky film, uh, which is a Russian film from the end of the 70s, and it's set in this weird future where something landed, maybe aliens. You know, the film is intentionally kind of vague about it. It's kind of the yeah. point. But it created this area... Uh, called the zone and no one's allowed to go in there the government has it all cordoned off you know military's kind of guarding it but people believe that inside the zone there is the room and inside the room there is something that can grant you a wish essentially you know something you want it will grant you a desire in your life so the stalker in this case is not the traditional what you think of as when you think of the word stalker a stalker in this movie is someone who is a guide who will take you into the zone and take you to the room so you can ask for something and that's what the movie's about. It's all about ideas. It's about humanity. It's a, there's a lot of themes going on. It's definitely you know kind of art house, and it's definitely a drama, mm. and it's you know it's slow. It's not an action movie. It's not any of this. But if you like a bit of thinking, science fiction, and philosophy, so it's definitely got philosophy in there. It's definitely got social commentary in there, and there's some nice parallels in this as well to uh, uh, things like Chernobyl and uh, disasters like that. Uh, yeah. where the the government would lie about them. Not Chernobyl itself, because everyone knew what that was, <laughs> but uh, other smaller similar incidents that they covered yes. up uh awesome. very, very interesting uh so I, I like this a lot i thought this was a really uh, uh, it was an excellent movie and again we went a while on that movie discussing yeah. it yeah we went 90 minutes uh, and then we just kind of yeah. said we need to stop even though we could probably keep going for a long time yeah, it's one of those movies that just inspires conversation yeah because it's all just okay here's an idea what about oh but what if it's this or what if, what if you do that yeah it's, it's a movie where you sit down and try and interpret what it means to you afterwards and we had multiple interpretations uh, yeah i think through. we settled on ultimately different interpretations i don't think either of us are necessarily right or wrong but it's uh, it's something to to be experienced. Shut up. <laughs> what? What? Think well, of the audio people. You just said shut up, and they didn't hear a thing from me. No, didn't hear a peep. no they didn't. They, they, but they can picture you <laughs> pulling faces, making <laughs> motions, being a dick, implying that you're you were right and I was wrong with our interpretations. Uh huh. Hey, look, your smug attitude comes across even without words. Thank you. I thought sure that was a compliment. I'm taking it as well. I'm good with that. Uh, oh, anyway, what we, 27. What's your 27? 27. Okay, I've got Interstellar for 27. Mm. This is a very, very, very grounded space travel movie. And the way it treats well, everything. The space travel's somewhat grounded. I don't know if I caught a grounded movie overall. No, 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 no. Uh, as I said, yeah. space space travel, which is a large portion of the movie. I mean, up till like a point. It's I, I, I know, grand. but like when I think of Interstellar, the first thing I think about is the insane ideas it goes with towards the end. I was getting to that. All right, God but... damn it! I was building like it's it's because that's why that lands so well is because it's so straight, it's so grounded for 
you know, eighty percent of the movie, where everything is oh, no, this is exactly what it's like. Everything is oh no, no time is like this. There's there's all time dilation where we travel at this speed. There's all these factors that are in play, and then it gets to the end, and it goes, screw it, we're going mad. Yeah. And it's glorious. Christopher Nolan had a conversation with both Grant Morrison and Jonathan Hickman before he wrote this movie, and that's where the, the ending came from. Uh, that was a reference to a couple of comic book writers, if you're not familiar with them, but it made sense to fans of uh, comics, <laughs> what yeah. I just said. I, I can confirm he's, he's not yeah. shedding bollocks this time. Oh. Yeah, now I like it. I still a lot. I'm actually, I've not seen it in a while. I'm curious to revisit it because I'm curious to see how I feel about the ending on a on a, a viewing now. Uh, after you know, knowing what's coming and like, yeah, yeah. I, I I have seen this, you know, since yeah. the, you know, since it's in the cinema. So uh, I've got that perspective of knowing where it's I, going. I did like it a lot, but I I have to admit I did have a bit of a whiplash when it it switched. It, no, no, it's true. I, I liked this more the second time I saw mm. it. When I knew where it was going, or I knew things that it was setting up early on, I found it so, more enjoyable. So, I mean, I do like it, but I, 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 I didn't love it necessarily as much as a few of other Nolan's films, so I'm curious to see where it sits once I've watched it again yeah. uh, with a, a previous viewing kind of in mind. Because uh, a lot of it, everyone remembers the, the docking scene where the thing's spinning. And the organs are just going like you know, Hans Zimmer. It's like I've not done organs before, and he's just like bashing oh, away on organs. I remember, yeah, you know, yeah. For the next year, just organ sounds everywhere. Like everyone was going, organs are in. Shit, Zimmer's brought in well, organs. It, it was the same after Inception, where every trailer had the, oh, the Zimmer horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. there was a website for a while. It was just a big red button. You could just press it, and it would do the do the brum for you I, I have to be honest i got sick of that noise but i watched a, a master class of zimmer where he described you know what you know what went into making that hmm. the layers fascinating it's it, it's it's more than it, you know you do that noise you've got yeah i've got it it's sussed but it's so layered and complex I like, I like the idea that he spent like an hour in a documentary explaining all this but in reality he's just in a sound booth going brum <laughs> <laughs> And then he's going, shit, what do I tell them it is? <laughs> I can't just admit I'm a fraud. <laughs> I make noises. That's what yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. I'm the guy from Police Academy. I just do the noises. <laughs> uh, my number 27, bit of a classic, one that Connor's not seen yet, although he will later this year when we get close to a movie coming out. That is Predator. Oh, yeah. Uh, back, back to back to the Arnie. A few Arnie movies on here. And uh, you know what? I'll say it right now. I know some people uh, have bad things to say about Predator Two. I love Predator Two. Predator Two is pretty good. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to have this Predator Two hate. Uh, in my, right, well, I'll in see my how direction. I feel about it. Honestly, I wanted to get to this this month, uh, mm-hmm. but time time eluded me. Time, but I mean, yeah, because we we were almost considering pre-recording the Predator discussion that we won't put up until a few months when we start like working through them for, for yeah. the new one coming out. Uh, uh, but Ultimately, it, it was it, so. lower priority because I knew I'd be doing it in a few yeah. months anyway. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, Predator is an action movie. It is a movie that so many low-budget trash like tried to like, replicate because they thought, oh, it's just shooting in a jungle. We can do that. We can go into a forest and just kind of do Predator. And many movies have tried and they fail. It's from John McTiernan, who also directed Die Hard, uh, what he did after this. Uh, but it's got many iconic scenes. The Predator design is amazing. Stan Winston, of course, designed the Predator, and it's iconic for a reason. Like you know, you, you, that 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 the image of the Predator sticks out. Uh, the, the fact that it, you know it has different vision, where you know it's, it's season in for red and things like that. Mm. Great stuff. 
Love it. Uh, action scenes are very good uh, when it all boils down to the final like 20 minutes where it's just Arnold versus the Predator. Like, you know, because up until that point, you've got this team of fairly memorable characters, actually. I mean, Jesse the Body of Ventura is one of the characters. Uh, everyone remembers, you know, I ain't get time to bleed. You know, everyone remembers yeah. that line. Uh, even even the action scene near the start, though, before the Predator stuff really kicks off, when they're just going into, like, this, this camp. Like, again, very good. Like, it was like, you know, all these guys in camel rolling through the leaves and, like, you know, taking them down slowly and uh, of course, Arnold's one-liners like stick around and all the rest of it. Uh, but it's a really well-done film. Every time I rewatch it, I, I am impressed with how well like it's paced and holds up. Because I feel like, and I think this comes from the fact that so many bad films try to make a movie set in the jungle, or the forest, because they think it's cheap, and they're always terrible. That I'm always impressed when I go back to this and go, no, if you actually make this like a proper movie. It can work just as well when you, when you know what you're doing. Yeah, when you're, you're not just sitting going, "Oh, this is you know they're just being cheap and shooting you know this location." They're not like is they're make, they're in this location because it makes sense because use it's like, it for design rather than just because hey we we can, we can come out here for free yeah. and you can't see cars. It's a movie about an alien who likes to hunt, hence yeah. the title Predator. But that's the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. So it makes sense to be in the jungle, which is why I love that the second one takes place in a city and it's still pretty good. May not be as iconic or as classic as the first one. But uh, Predator, good Alan Silvestri score as well. Not the sort of score that I would listen to, admittedly, but it's got a cracking uh, cue, couple of cues that play throughout the film. It has. I, I have given it a listen just mm. because I do that sort of thing. It, but it's, it, it's it, not got like some like you know, it doesn't have like the emotional theme you may listen to or the, the serene stuff. No, or, like, no. It's, it's very... I, I'm just I, I listen to these sorts of things anyway, and yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, I mean, without context, but yeah, it's solid. Uh, and Shane Black, who wrote it, is going to direct the new one, is also in the movie uh, in a role. He's uh, one of the actors in it. Oh, is he? Yeah. That, that's, that's actually when, uh, I think it was when Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out, and I learned about Shane Black as a director, and I was like, oh, he wrote the Lethal Weapon movie, he's going to, you know, I think next he's going to do an Iron Man movie or whatever. Uh, I think it was maybe before that, but uh, someone said, oh, you know him, because he's in Predator. I'm like, what do you mean he's in Predator? He's the one who tells the pussy jokes. I'm like, oh, you know what that means when you see it. <laughs> that's fine. I, I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with him now anyway. But I, I didn't realise he was in the movie as an actor, so well, that's news to me. Go on, so, then. oh, 26. So we're closing out this video. Yeah, final, final uh, picks for each of us. Yes, and I'm afraid to say this is going to be one that's going to disappoint you, I think. It, I don't too think low you'll, or I, too I, high? It would be too high. I don't think right. you're, you're not going to have this on yours. I don't think you're going to go, oh, it's a bad movie. Mm. But Blade Runner 2049. Okay, yeah. Uh, as I, said, I don't you don't, you don't think it's a bad movie, but you you didn't love it. I I I I fell in love with the way this movie looks and sounds and feels. I like uh, all that it stuff. Sucked <laughs> me in. I know, but that yeah. sucked me in, and then the plot kind of caught up with me halfway through, and I'm like, okay, I'm really into this now. I may honestly maybe the sort of thing where I rewatch it, I may like it more. Uh, I I think like I didn't know what to feel going into that movie, you know, because we just rewatched Blade Runner, and I liked Blade Runner less that time than I did before. Yeah. So I, I went in a really weird mood with Blade Runner, um, and I, I thought it was better for the most part because I thought that the actual de- detective stuff was actually detecting things and not just you know what yeah. the first one was. Uh, and it has good music, has good visuals, has all these things. There was just a, a few things that were kind of just not hitting out of the park for me. Even though in theory I love everything it's doing with its themes. Uh, no, that's fair. Uh, and unlike you know we 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 just mentioned there the original Blade Runner, at least this time didn't quite land for us. Mm. This, I was worried going in, because I was like, okay, you know, I just watched that, it didn't really work, Hand this live up. Oh, I'll, right. I'll tell you what, what thing I do hate from that movie, that I do think is objectively bad, is Jared Little. 
I will concede to that. But it's what a two-hour forty-five movie, and he's in it for about eight minutes. I don't know. Yeah, but it's like two scenes, so the long scenes of him monologuing. And I'm no, like... no, that's true. They are they are easily the worst parts of the movie. I will not fight you on that. Yeah. You should have just slashed his character entirely and have him be you know shady background stuff. Oh yeah, I, I, I did. Like, right after it came out, we talked about it. Or I talked about it with Matt. I basically cut him out of the movie and told you how it would work without him, and it worked better. <laughs> At least I uh, thought it did. I, mean, I, I haven't listened to what you said about it. Uh, I, I know your general feelings, but yeah. I haven't listened to the, the review. But I can see it. It just, it's just, why is he there? Because it, it makes the uh, the other villain who's actually tracking them and fighting them, like, just give her more of a motivation on her own to do this uh, and have him be unseen, and that would work better. And yeah. instead, you know, we get these couple of weird scenes with him, and it just, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's got some gorgeous effects, though, and not just, you know, this is gorgeous practical effects and, and you know, enhancing with CG. Hmm. So we talked about earlier. So, you know, props for that. Yeah, Hans Zimmer doing his uh, best to replicate the uh, original score. So what? That was something that was very weird because it was supposed to have another composer up till like two or three months before. And then they said, oh, no, don't worry. We got Zimmer in. And I groaned. I I was not looking forward to that because I was, you know, I think the score is the best part of the original movie by far. And I wasn't sure Zimmer was up to sticking with that style and uh, other than a few you know big drummy bits it's (laughs) it's the least zimmer thing i've heard in a long time yeah i think that's i think that's fair honestly that whole drummer thing you know where where people associate the big drums with hands i feel like that's not something you used to have that that was something that developed over time if you go back to his early stuff i feel like you don't hear the the big drums it's once he got uh you don't i actually again this is one where i know the history of it's a case of he couldn't afford them for a long time. Because, <laughs> no, 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 this is true. He couldn't afford it for a long time because to get drums of that size, to get played, it's very expensive. And it got to a point where he he had enough saved up and he hired a bunch out for a day just for himself and he recorded his own sample library and now he uses it consistently. And now okay, he'll occasionally he'll get you know a, a dumb in as well to do new things. But for a lot of it, he's just got it. And he'll uh, and he'll use it. And yeah, you, you I, can... I, I feel like for like Batman movies, he gets to get his orchestra the way he wants it. I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. Once you get to that stuff, but yeah. uh, but it, a lot of his stuff is actually blended with his own sample libraries as well. It's why he has a yeah. often has a very unique sound to it because it's it's his sound. No, that's that's cool. Uh, I mean, I can't fault it too much. Uh, I hope I like it more when I see it again, which I'll, I will do at some point. Admittedly, it's so bloody long that it's kind of intimidating to put it on again. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I get uh, that, but. Uh, I, I don't hate it. Like, as much as I have a lot of negative things to say about it, I, I it's doing mostly things I like. It's just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so my final pick of this part, uh, number 26, is the classic The Invisible Man uh, from 1933. Uh, it's uh, sci-fi, it's a bit comedy, you've got this this character who turns himself invisible and he's a he's a, kind of an asshole. But he's he kind is, of a, yeah. He's a lovable asshole, and he starts doing all these wacky things, and he's you know, it's a classic mad scientist movie. He's, he's the sort of guy where, if you became invisible now, you'd, you'd be a dick and do some shit. <laughs> but uh, it's actually my favourite of the Universal monster movies, the the, the classics. Uh, mm-hmm. I love a lot of those movies, but uh, Invisible Man's my favourite. Uh, and I've, I th- I've not seen all of them, but out of the ones I have seen, that, that stands out as my favourite. So. Um, I've not seen all the sequels, but I've seen all the, you know, all the yeah. core movies. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like it a lot. Uh, I, I think it's very jovial. It has uh, obviously it has some social commentary in there, uh, but it, it's just really entertaining. And I, I just 
I, I'm like, it's just rare that a movie this old has comedy that, that holds up, you know, now 80 years later. But mm. sure enough, it uh, it does. So Invisible Man is my final pick of uh, this part one. So that is that is us. That, 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 is, uh, that is the end of part one. Uh, we will return with part two. You'll get that in a few days. Uh, this is up early for patrons, of course. Uh, so YouTube will get it a few days later. Um, and again, you. But I said I've been a week earlier. It'll be half a week, so that it sort of links up again when they, we go back to the weekly the movies uh, with next week. So uh, that, is, that is what's happening. Uh, so. By all means, let us know what you think of the picks so far. If you want to make your own sci-fi list, by all means, uh, we, we, people did that with the two thousands, and it was fun seeing their picks and the, the comments. Yeah, some objectively just wrong lists, but hey, you do you. <laughs> oh, dear, uh, but no, no, it's always fun seeing the other lists in the comments and all that stuff. Uh, like, subscribe, all the usual jazz. Get us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. Uh, you can do that uh, in there. Um, and there's a link in the description, of course, to that and other things like the vault. Uh, go check out that. I won't explain that because uh, I, I, you know, we've, we've talked long enough. We're, we're, we're at 90 minutes or so now. Uh, so I will use this to kind of wrap us up. Uh, but I am stalling a little bit because I want to have a bit of time so that all the lists so far can scroll up at the bottom of the screen because I do that at the end of these. So uh, I wonder why you were taking a while. Yeah, no, that's why. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this in the head because I, I don't want to start while we're still talking like two entries ago, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and so, you don't want to have to just rush it through it too quick. Yeah, because yeah. I've got a pace that I keep at because I've got like a template that I made. Ah, yeah, you don't want to be messing up. with that. That's too much effort. Exactly. So uh, this is the least amount of work possible is just to stall for a minute <laughs> before we go. Yeah. Do you think we've done enough yet? Uh, probably. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see you for the top 25 uh, uh, very soon in a few days' time. Uh, and hopefully you got some recommendations. Hopefully you enjoy some of the picks. By all means, yell at us for some of the other picks. Uh, I feel like there's certain picks that I know we're going to get shit for. Oh, uh, absolutely, both of us. Both of us. Uh, you definitely know. And I, I can see, I can see once the whole list is out or is getting shit for. Wait a minute, this wasn't on there, but you had. Oh, this was above that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel it will be a few of those, uh, but it's okay. We're all here to have fun. So, uh, but no, that is us. So, thank you once again for sticking around, watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next time. Bye.